Fasten your seatbelts. It's going to be a bumpy night. All these girls gonna be in the league? Hello, gorgeous. Female fight club. All men must die, but we are not men. Damn it, Kristen! What do you think happened to Karen? Lauren. Girl, her name is Kimberly. Hello, everybody, and welcome to episode 42 of Citizen Dame, the podcast where, where men break our hearts, especially if they're pretty, and we have thoughts about all of it. Um, so, of course, I am uh, Kristen Lopez here with Karen Peterson. Hello. And Lauren Humphreys-Brooks. Hi. Kimberly Pierce was just too upset by Henry Cavill, and she's not here today. Um, <laughs> I think she's actually enjoying Comic-Con in some capacity, or a Comic-Con. So, but but still, the point still stands. Uh, so let's, you know, let's just start with that, because it seems the most timely, and it was the most bizarre amalgamation of comments. So... Men need to really learn how to stop talking when they make statements because sometimes they just not only double down, but they just keep word vomiting stuff out and it's, it actually gets worse. So Henry Cavill, our Superman. No, not my Superman. Well, our, hold on, our current (laughs) Superman. There we go. There we go. Christopher Reeve is my Superman, so... Yeah, he, well... I, I have no... I, I would probably say the comics. Like, I have no connection to any of the film Supermans. I think the first... The first Superman movie I ever saw in my life, and you know what? I'm waiting for everybody to send me hate mail, was the, um, the 06 one. The Brian Singer one. That's really that, sad. I'm sorry! I didn't care! Okay? <laughs> Uh, my, my parents just no, showed it's... me the first Christopher Reeve Superman. Like that was just one of the things that we watched. Yeah. Yeah, I think I saw the Brandon Routh one first, and then I went back and I saw the first Christopher Reeve one, and then I haven't seen any of the other ones up until um, Man of Steel. I've seen that. We so, watched yeah, I... Superman two on repeat when I was a kid. So because we had that one, like my dad had bootlegged it, like he did a few other things. I'm pretty sure the statute of limitations is up on that, so. <laughs> I'm just saying, there is there is a Patreon perk somewhere in there where people ask me to watch random 80s movies or 90s movies that I just missed, especially if they were a franchise, because <laughs> I tend to really skip around on things. Um, it's like Mission Impossible. I've only, I've seen all of them but the first one. <laughs> That's so weird. That is weird. I, I, I'm, it's a I'm very different movie. It is, yeah. <laughs> like, yeah, they really t- turn into something else after that first one. It's very much. I mean, they're all they're all good. I love them all, but um, that one's very different from the rest. So, this is a long way of saying Henry Cavill says something really stupid. Oh um, yeah, I forgot. We're yeah, about that so guy. Henry, yeah, go, Henry, let's talk about Mission Impossible. Let's do that. I would much <laughs> rather talk about Mission Impossible. Henry Cavill was uh, asked in an interview with GQ Australia about the Me Too movement and what he has learned. He started out by saying that he's been, quote, fortunate enough to not be around the kind of people that behave that way. 
Okay. So then he said that he has, quote, been in situations with people I've worked with being perhaps over familiar with some of the actresses, but I've always walked up to them and said, hey, are you all right? That's creepy. He says also to, uh, that Which, he likes- hold on. To- that makes it sound like he actually has been in situations around those people. Well, I was going to say- yeah. He's like contradicting say, himself. Henry, um, I've loved you for a while. We go back. And I remember an interview that he did a couple years ago where they had asked him if he had ever done anything embarrassing while filming a scene on the Tudors. And he had talked about, um, I'm just going to be blunt, blowing a boner during a sex scene because the actress had an amazing rack. Mm-hmm. So, hmm. someone's got selective thinking, don't they? Well, um, and sometimes <laughs> it's hard to identify bad behavior in other people when you yourself are guilty of it. <laughs> That's very true. Well, so, But, but I, I thought that in most sex scenes, like, they have things to... I'm sorry, hold down genitalia and stuff like that. That's like a normal thing in a sex I think scene. he had that pants That sort of thing on, doesn't so happen. I think, but I think he was clothed in the scene and the girl was not. I see. Okay. Yeah. Um, so that he says he likes to think that, quote, I've never been like that. Um, and it's all a roundabout way of saying um, that, quote, it's very difficult to do that if there are certain rules in place. Because then it's like, well, I don't want to go up and talk to, quote, uh, in print, you know, parentheses, a girl, because I'm going to be called a rapist or something. <laughs> <laughs> Which okay. begs the like, question, how what bad? is Henry Cavill saying to women? Well, how his bad whole concept, of a flirt is he? His concept is, I, to go back a little bit, he says, quote, there's a traditional approach to that, which is nice. I think a woman should be wooed and chased, but maybe I'm old-fashioned for thinking that. Now, as I talked about on another podcast with somebody, when we were trying to figure out what he is thinking, I was like, there's a difference between being like wooed but the minute you're told by a woman to fuck off like that kind of stops the 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 train in its tracks right there and i think he's trying to say like there's a distinction between a woman being coy and the whole quote-unquote hard to get type of thing the problem is i'm not sure he understands how to tell the difference i don't think he understands any of that though I, I mean, the the whole human courtship ha- is very weird right now, uh, and it has been weird for a long time. And there has been this like you know so, so socialization of like women are supposed to be kind of demure and and uh, say no when they actually mean yes. And there's that culture that is is definitely a part of all of this. But we're we're now at a point where if if a woman says no, that is not an invitation to try harder. It's not the whole yes means no, no means convince me. Yeah. Right, yeah. Someone on Twitter said, like, the way to know if what you're saying is is okay is think about how you would feel if a man walked up and said that to you. Mm-hmm. Like, for Henry Cavill, if some dude walked up and said that stuff to him, would he be creeped out or would he be like, hey, that's fine? And if it, he would be creeped out, then he shouldn't say that to a girl. So what you're saying is that Man from Uncle 2 needs to be a whole whole uh, plot point about Napoleon Solo having to learn how to flirt with a woman by, uh, by Army Hammer's character. 
Since well, I've I... never seen the man from Uncle, I cannot say yes oh, or no. Oh, okay, that. that's right. That's right. Kim would have gotten that. I, I mean, I, I have to say, Napoleon Solo, both in that film and in the original TV show, is basically a, a misogynist douchebag. So, you know, I mean, I, I think that that would be a fine plot line. Yay! Uh, okay, so either way, he apologized. And I, I'm saying apologized in quotes here. Yes. He apologized. Uh, quote, in light of this, I would just like to clarify and confirm to all that I have always and will continue to hold women in the highest of regard no matter the type of relationship, whether it be friendship, professional, or a significant other. Never would I intend to disrespect in any way, shape, or form. This experience has taught me a valuable lesson as to the context and the nuance of editorial liberties. I look forward to clarifying my position in the future towards a subject that is so vitally important and in which I wholeheartedly support. Now let's break He's that down. He's trying to say he was misquoted. He's trying to say he was misquoted. Um, I also think he's trying to get ahead of some stuff. Because the whole, no matter the type of relationship, friendship, personal, or significant other. Okay, so going back into my Henry Cavill knowledge part of my brain. Um, did we all forget that he dated like a 18-year-old girl right after he dumped Gina Carano? with allegations that he openly cheated on her and treated her like shit. Um, Some of us didn't that. forget because we never paid attention to know oh, that in the I, first place. Again, this is the benefits of like being really, really... Okay, I was like... This was a couple years ago, okay? I'm not saying I obsess over Henry Cavill now, but that was... Yeah, right. I, I watched a lot of Tudors back then, okay? And he was kind of it. Um, so, so for me, this seems like... If any of my exes come forward and say that I was a total asshole, you know, I have this out in front of me. Um, so, I mean, again, this is a guy that, much like Army Hammer, puts his foot in his mouth in, like, interviews. Um, and and it's all documented. <laughs> so, yeah, uh, there's that. Well, and I, I liked that Terry Crews actually came out, I think, yesterday and said... Um, and said, and I don't have it directly in front of me, but he ba he basically said like, I used to say these kinds of things that that Henry Cavill was saying, and then my wife called called me on them and explained to me why I was wrong, and I've learned to be a better person as a result of that. And that's I think that that's a really good perspective is that it's saying that you know what men sometimes think these things, men sometimes say these things, and the way to become a better person and to be a supporter of women, if that's what you were going to be, is to actually listen when people call you out on them. So, you know, the fact that Henry Cavill is like, oh, I want to be, you know, I, I'm afraid to flirt with women. People are saying to him, like, why are you afraid to flirt with women if, if the way that you're behaving with them could open you up for being called a rapist? Like, because that says that something's wrong. So really, he should just be listening and being like, hey, maybe there's something wrong with the way I'm behaving, not something wrong with the way that women are perceiving my behavior. Um, Henry Cavill disappoints me. He had one job. I, I hate to use the rhetoric that we've we've used on women for years, but can't he just shut up and look pretty? That's, that's what I want right now. Um, so moving on to somebody we don't really care about before we get to an inflammatory comment that I'm sure we'll have thoughts on. Luke Basson keeps popping up and doing stupid shit. So uh, Luke Basson has been accused by more women of being an asshole, douchebag, garbage person. Um, this is uh, not similar to the 
uh, unsimilar to the allegations that popped up in May where there was a formal rape complaint filed against him uh, by an actress that he had worked with. Um, supposedly there is now a second complaint um, by the same person, but another one. Um, is that rape allegation still being investigated? It does not say. I just never heard anything more about it, so I was just curious if it disappeared or if they're still working on it. Yeah, supposedly there was like a months-long investigation into allegations and the, quote, work culture on Besson's sets and at his um, studio, but nothing has been released to that. Um, it could be but an another investigation by the French police. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but there are other women that have come forward that say that he frequently, quote, asked in the presence of a technician for sexual favors. Um, yeah, he's just horrible. Um, and again, I mean, he did he did marry a 15-year-old, so we shouldn't really have been surprised. I don't even know what to say anymore. <laughs> well, just wait, Karen, because we still have... Our favorite, our, the granddaddy of <laughs> garbage men, Harvey Weinstein. I thought, I thought maybe he had just gone away. Like, it was the end of him, maybe. Well, we're hoping he's going to go away, but there's still a trial to get through. Not yet. Not before, though. I think he says a lot of really dumb shit. So, um, Harvey Weinstein uh, did... I guess, an interview with The Spectator. Mm -hmm. What newspaper is that? Because I've never heard of them. Is I... that like a magazine or... No idea. It does not say what they are. It's an English... It's a British publication. That yeah, I thought, it. I thought it was one of those foreign publications. <laughs> um, where he was very, very candid and said, quote, Yes, I did offer actresses acting jobs in exchange for sex, but so did and still does everyone. But I never, ever forced myself on a single woman. Now, there's some contradictions in that statement. Well, it wasn't a uh, single woman. It was many women. Well, and here's... <laughs> true. His whole so thing true. is... <laughs> His whole thing, too, is that I, this is like a business thing. Like, they get something for me, I did something for them, I didn't ever force myself on someone. But technically, by holding a job over someone's head, is that not forcing them into a situation that they have no choice? Well, I and mean, they, they don't have to take working. the job, yeah. yeah. That's true, but, I, I mean, I think he's just, he's really not seeing... The fact that there's that power imbalance. Well, of and course that, not. Because if yeah. he says, yeah, I did all this and I am a sucky person, then that's going to kind of ruin his trial chances. So Yeah. Um, well, this I, was... I, I find it amazing that he's just that he's trying to justify himself. That he's like, oh yeah, I to I totally offered offered sex or I offered roles to, to women if they would have sex with me. It's just like... So even even if he didn't rape anyone, which he definitely did, there seems to be pretty strong proof of that. Uh, that 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 in his mind is fine and is just a part of the Hollywood culture and that's normal is supremely fucked up. And it is very like you know you hear about the the same kinds of stories in the 1930s and 40s, and it was wrong then and it's wrong now. But it's the same kind of mentality of like. Well, I'm a I'm a high-powered man, and of course I'm going to get a woman to blow me in order to for me to give her a part. That's in what world is that okay? Actresses are not sex workers. 
And sex workers get to make a choice. Right. Well, and and here's the thing that I I'm I'm of the more cynical person when it comes to this. I mean, yeah, the casting couch has been something that's been openly known about in Hollywood since Hollywood was founded. I mean, again, you look at any of the big, you know, people that ran studios, Louis B. Mayer, Harry Cohn, Selznick, I mean, Jesus, all of them. Jesus too? Well, not <laughs> Jesus himself, but uh, but the whole concept of the shit they were doing back in the, the 40s and 50s. I mean, that was well known that they were, all, you know, forcing or compelling women to have sex in order to get jobs. I mean, there's allegations that Marilyn Monroe was received her first job through the, the whole concept of the casting couch. Um, so, so when he says it still happens, I totally believe that. You know, I, I'm one of those that thinks that Me Too is great. It's great. I support it 100%. But I don't, I, I think this is just going to compel a lot of these people that have been doing sex for roles, you know, the, the men in charge of this. It's just going to cause them to go deeper and be more discretionary. I don't think it's going to end it. I don't think it's going to end it, but I think that it's becoming, it's, it's, open, it's open the way for, for, act, for actresses to begin to say no. To truly say like, and to actually come out to the press and and begin talking about it and being like, this is not acceptable anymore. Um, and and this, you know, honestly, I can't, on the one hand, I'm like, yeah, absolutely. I, I absolutely believe that this is still happening in Hollywood. On the other hand, it's like, why is this still happening? You know, again, it was wrong in the 1930s. It was abusive in the 1930s. Marilyn Monroe was probably very fucked up as a result of the oh, abuse yeah. of power that these men that these men had over her and yeah and it, i mean you look at even judy garland i mean pretty much any actress in that time period was sure. dealing with some stuff that yeah Shirley yeah. temple has stories about men exposing themselves to her she was a yeah. child yeah right so all, all of this stuff is like none of this stuff was ever okay and it's still not okay and now we're finally at a point where maybe we might actually begin changing it where women are feeling more confident about coming out against them. And the fact that it can bring down someone like Harvey Weinstein definitely says, like, this cha this can change the dynamic. If Do we know if it's going to or if it has? I don't know. I'm not in the industry. Uh, it'll be interesting to see what happens over the course of the next couple of years. But hopefully something is, is changing now. Other things I, in that interview... Oh, go on, Karen. Well, I just... I really think that the whole reason for this interview coming out now is simply to taint the jury pool. It's just about, you know, getting some, getting his side of the story out for any potential jurors that may end up, you know, hearing this case. And it's about swaying them and, and having them see like, oh yeah, I've heard all this stuff about Hollywood for years. I'm sure that's all this is. And, yeah. he, you know, he didn't rape anybody. So... Well, uh, other things in this interview, which was conducted by a far-right journalist, um, he also he justifies himself by saying that, quote, no girl looked at me until I made it big in Hollywood. So poor Harvey was just unattractive, and this is how he's making up for years of not getting the sex he supposedly deserved, I guess. Um, but of course, on Friday, after this all came out, 
Weinstein's lawyer said that he never said any of that. And the, uh, the writer also released a statement through Weinstein's attorney saying that, quote, he may have misrepresented his conversation with me, it was my mistake, and that this was a social visit and was never a formal interview. So oh, this how guy- how much money did they pay him? Well, well, and also the fact, yeah, he probably got paid to make that statement, and B, he probably recorded him without his consent on, yeah. like, a social visit and then wrote an article about it. Like, how is Weinstein not suing him, too? Well, if it's overseas, maybe the laws are different. I think they're actually, I think in England, they're more stringent. They probably are, yeah. Yeah, I don't know. Um, so you gotta, you gotta love that. Um, for once, something involved Harvey Weinstein that was without his consent. Oh, um, there <laughs> I you wonder go. how that feels, Harvey. <laughs> How's that feel? Uh, oh, your privacy's <laughs> been violated. Oh, no. Oh, exactly. Um, so... That, we're moving on moving on let's do something happy for a oh, quick second please, there yes. was there was um a, a question by jessica ritchie um that was posted on twitter that i thought was really fun um and i thought we could throw out a little answers she said um quote what's your favorite little moment in a big movie something a line a character that doesn't get talked up as much as the big set pieces and lines everybody quotes and there was this was a question she posted to everybody on Twitter. There were a lot of really good answers. So I thought we'd share a couple of our favorite little moments in movies. So the one that I actually posted on Twitter was, um, it's funny because I was just thinking about it because I had just been watching the movie like a day or two before that. And it's in E.T. It's at the very beginning of E.T. when he, when Elliot has gone outside to get the pizza and he hears something in the shed, and so he knows some things in there. He goes running inside to tell his brother and his, and his brother's friends and his mom. And Michael, the brother, <laughs> like such a typical teenage boy, he jumps up and he grabs a knife and he goes, You stay here, Mom. We'll check it out. And it's just so funny the way he says that. My brother and I used to rewind and rewatch that moment like over and over again. So that's, that's one of mine. I have many. Lauren? Uh, I'm, I was sitting around thinking, I have, I tend to blank on these things. Whenever someone asks me that, I'm just like, I, 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 nothing. Um, but actually just thinking about it right now, I, I realized one of my favorite moments in Psycho is not, so the famous, it's actually at the beginning of the shower scene, but it's the shot that it's shot over Janet Lee's shoulder. She's taking a shower and you see through the kind of opaque shower curtain the door opening you kind of see this blackness mm -hmm. entering the room and you begin to see the figure of a mother entering the room and that has always been the scariest moment for me in that entire film the the shower scene is very frightening it's very well done and everybody talks about it but that moment when the viewer is is privy to a piece of information that you know something bad is about to happen and there's no way that you can warn her uh, is just one of the best moments in that film for me. And, and it's still, like, whenever a movie does that in general, like, you have that sort of lack of focus and you just see this thing coming towards you um, and the other ca the characters are not seeing it, uh, that's always been one of my favorite moments. So I love that moment. The other one that I thought of was um, at the end, this is a random one, at the end of The Gay Divorcee, uh, the end of the night and day dance between Fred Astaire and Ginger Rogers. Fred Astaire does this little thing with his fingers where he just sort of wiggles his fingers. 
and there's something very adorable and funny and like kind of sexy about it uh that you've had this really passionate dance and then suddenly he's just like "Ooh, that was fun (laughs) yeah i i have a lot a lot of little a little moments i'm a i'm a purveyor of them um like um when I, I think one of the ones I put down was in Gidget, there's a scene where Sandra D is looking at Moondoggy in in the um, ocean, and Cliff Robertson comes up and he tugs on her uh, um, ponytail very briefly, and I, I think that's a very very cute little moment between the two of them. Um, or uh, in Out of the Fog, when Ida Lupino meets John Garfield for the first time, and he's got a shtick. He does it in all of his movies, and I think that was just, like, his flirt game, uh, with his lighter, where he lights it, and he puts it out, and then Ida has to lean forward, and he pulls it back. Um, it's a dick move, but I dig it. Um, I love in movies when they have just these really funny little moments that you don't even necessarily hear like a side character having a separate conversation and you can pick up on what they're saying like Mm. for me one of those is in the movie elf the secretary deb which is played by oh yeah everything she says is so funny but there's this one part where she's on the phone is it about the kittens yes and she's like well i don't know i've never declawed kittens before and it's just so funny and then she's like okay we'll just how many eight okay we'll just bring them over i'll see what i can do i know i was really i was very invested in that conversation like how did that go well and not only that but it's also the inflection on how she says i've never declawed kittens before it's like well what have you declawed (laughs) like everything about that is so funny i love it yeah, when we become famous and interview John Favreau, we need to ask him, like, where was that going to go? What was happening there? Um, for me, my favorite line, because I'm, I'm a weirdo that tends to gravitate to lines that nobody else would even think to notice, but my favorite line in Titanic, um, it's a line that I'm sure nobody would notice, but it's a part in Titanic with, um, with Victor Garber, um, who plays um, uh, Thomas Andrews, the ship designer and it's the point where he's telling um Kate Winslet's character about um getting to a lifeboat and the way he says you remember what I told you about the boats is so Mm -hmm. like heart-wrenching to me that line gets me every single time I watch the movie because it's so like he conveys like the frightening terror that he knows what's going to happen to everybody in this movie oh and the way Um, that her face totally changes as she realizes what he's saying like yeah yeah Mm -hmm. yeah that's a great moment that like Victor Garbage doesn't get enough love in that movie um he he should because he's so goddamn good um so Jessica made us really think about some stuff Um, well speaking of Victor Garber I also love the scene in sleepless in seattle <laughs> when... which i still need to see i did not know he was in that movie i've never what? seen it but you've never seen sleepless in, in seattle okay well then i'm not going to no. spoil the scene because it's funny but there is a scene <laughs> where rita wilson is talking about how much she loves an affair to remember and <laughs> tom hanks and victor garber have a hilarious reaction to this yeah. so yeah. oh my god yeah i <laughs> i feel terrible that I am I'm a big Victor Garber stan and I have not seen that movie. Um I didn't even know he was there. So there's that. Um so moving on to a story that we talked about last episode involving everybody's most hated female at the moment, Scarlett Johansson. Um so we had talked about her starring in the film Rub and Tug, which still sounds fucking awful. 
um, where she was going to be playing a trans man. Well, hold on. The story sounds amazing. The story the sounds, sounds amazing. Awful. The title sounds awful. Yes. Let me, yeah, caveat. I want them to change the title. Um, so she, there was a lot of criticism from the um, trans community and, and people in general saying this is the second time Scarlett Johansson's played a character that is not um, appropriate for her to play. This uh, this other one being Ghost in the Shell, where she played an Asian woman. Um, so apparently it got to the point that um, she is withdrawn from the film. Um, and there has been some interesting discussion. Um, she said in an uh, interview with Out Magazine, quote, in light of recent ethical questions raised surrounding my casting as Dante Gill, I have decided to respectfully withdraw my participation in the project. Our cultural understanding of transgender people continues to advance, and I've learned a lot from the community since making my first statement about my casting and realized it was insensitive. Um, and the first statement that she made about her casting was, go call Jeffrey Tambor and Felicity Huffman and Jared Leto. Um, yeah, Scar, you didn't think that was a bad statement? Um, and of course, a lot of people think Marvel had something to do with this, because at the same time as this, they announced that they had finally found a director for the Black Widow solo movie. So we'll talk about that in a second, but the assumption is is that Marvel essentially kind of lowered the boom and offered this as a compensation and told her she needed to shut the hell up and drop this movie that was probably going to destroy her career. Um, there are people that have come out in support of her still. Justine Bateman um, yes, the last name is exactly who you, who you, we all know she's related to. Um, pretty much said that this was um, overly sensitive people that uh, removed a great project from being made with a wonderful actress at the helm. <sighs> well, there's nothing stopping this project from being made. There's nothing right. even stopping her. She's financing. Scarlett Johansson yeah. is financing this. She could find a, a trans actor or actor to star in this movie if she really wanted to get the story out there. Yeah, she she could say, like, you know what, I'm not going to play the lead. You know, she could play another character. I'm certain that there are cisgendered women in this movie. She could play another character if she wanted to be in it, you know, or she could just produce it and, and be like, okay, we're going to look for uh, a, a trans actor who will be able to fill this role in a way that I can't. And there's nothing wrong with that. In fact, that would, I think that would greatly raise her esteem for a lot of people, you know, even, so even if she was just doing it for that reason, um, that would be fine. So, like, the, this whole complaint of, like, oh, well, now, now you ruined the movie. Now the movie's not going to get made. It's like, no, the movie can be made. Just hire a trans actor. That, well, and like, I think that the people that are complaining about that are people who were not going to see it anyway. Yeah. I, I mean, well, they might have seen it because they wanted to see Scarlett Johansson in it. Maybe. I, I, I mean, I, I don't know. I don't, I... I don't know. I don't think that Marvel had anything to do with this, because I don't think Marvel gives a shit, but um, yeah, I, I just, I, I would like to think that she actually learned something from this, but I doubt it. <laughs> yeah, I, I feel I, it's more like she just didn't like what everybody was saying and all the mean things that they were saying about her, and that's why. I don't think it's that she learned, and I don't think she understands still why people are mad. She just knows that people are mad. Well, and the thing, too, is that, you know, actresses like Justine Bateman are saying that this story can't be told without a name actor. And that's my problem that we're still seeing. And, and I see this a lot when people talk about disabled representation. Bankability 
means nothing nowadays. We greenlight movies with, you know, again, I hate to use the example because it's a movie I enjoy, but we gave that guy who made The Greatest Showman how much money to make an original musical, and he was a visual effects artist. Pe yeah. People fail upward, especially if you're a man. Rupert Sanders is directing this movie, and he is the ultimate depiction of a white guy failing upward in Hollywood. So I'm fairly confident we could have gotten an A name in a supporting role and sold it like that. You know, Scarlett Johansson could have played a supporting performance yeah. in some capacity. Um, and Scarlett Johansson, too, is not bankable. Has she made a movie that's not associated with Marvel that's made significant money? I looked into that, and she has had exactly one movie that she was the lone, like, main lead star of that made over $100 million, and it was Lucy. That's exactly. It. <laughs> and and that was how many years ago? I think you get a certain amount of years before you have, you know, you, you can coast on that goodwill. And... I, I think the whole concept of well, Scarlett Johansson would have gotten this movie financed by who? You know, I mean, maybe in the international market where where they, they like her, um, but they wouldn't be going to see this anyway. Right. Yeah. Um, so it's just, I, I'm glad she dropped out. Um, I, I unfortunately don't think the project will move forward. Um, but maybe that's a good thing. You know, maybe this will give them a chance to reconfigure um, and try to actually do this some justice mm -hmm. uh, but speaking of Scarlett Johansson uh, will be seen in a Black Widow solo movie that seems like it's about five years too late and I think I'm being kind um, but they have uh, hired Kate Shortland uh, or is it is it it's Kate it's Kate yes. it's Kate Blanchett okay Kate uh, yeah uh, the who is an Australian filmmaker best known for a not making a Nazi drama called Lore um, which I've not ever heard of. Um, so she's going to... Okay. So she's uh, directing this. Um, supposedly this search lasted over half a year. They met with 70 directors in order to find uh, a candidate and a female filmmaker was the... <clears throat> Hold on, I'm losing my voice. Was the top priority. Um, and they, although they did look at men. Um, supposedly the shortlist was Ama Asante and Maggie Betts. Um, along with uh, Kate Shortland, uh, Melanie Laurent, and Kimberly Pierce were also in uh, serious consideration. Um, I have no idea how this worked out. Kate Shortland doesn't actually have an agency. She is actually just a fan of Scarlett Johansson. Um, well, and Scarlett Johansson is apparently pushed a fan for her. Of her. Yes. Yeah. Um, so supposedly, uh, Johansson really liked. Um, lore, which was a, a drama that, quote, tells of a young woman who leads her siblings through Germany as the Allied forces uh, roll in. She also did the 2017 film Berlin Syndrome with Teresa Palmer. Um, I, it's uh, okay. Um, this is also being written by uh, the person who wrote the remake of Dirty Rotten Scoundrels, uh, which is now being called The Hustle. I, I, last I heard, that movie got pushed back what like six months a year oh last uh, i heard they had changed the title to nasty women well it was nasty women and now it's the hustle oh i thought they yeah. changed it to, okay never they're just getting that. more and more generic with it yeah. um yeah <laughs> so you know i'm hearing who they considered and who they got i'm a little bummed because ama asante is fantastic kimberly pierce is great and i think she would have been really good um for this this movie 
so the thing is that Marvel doesn't I mean I'm I don't understand why it took so long to come up with to find a director for it but they don't they don't really mess around when it comes to directors like they pick people that they really do have a lot of faith in and I mean that's why Ryan Coogler and and John Favreau and some of these other people have gotten to to make movies and I, so because of that I'm like okay I feel like if they think she's the right person for the job I definitely will give her the benefit of the doubt but I'm also gonna be really wondering what might have been with Ama with Ama Asante you know like well so I think great. too as we've seen with Marvel and the Edgar Wright Peyton Reed debacle and and some of the other directors they've gotten much like Star Wars segue in a second uh much like Star Wars you know they want somebody that can be in their their wheelhouse who's got a vision you know and and might be uh might have some ideas but will at least be able to adhere to what marvel wants what Um, they need for the overall story right right and in some cases you have a director who has a very visual aesthetic like ryan coogler but sometimes you also are dealing with directors that you you pretty sure just like they're they they're fanboys um who the fuck directed um the second thor nobody remembers i don't know like that guy that guy (laughs) um and i think that kate shoreland kind of comes from that guy school like she's she's a neophyte director who doesn't really have an established aesthetic that audiences know and can be molded by marvel uh, and that can lead to something really interesting. Um, it can also lead to something that might be woefully mediocre. And I think the fact that Johansson is not exactly looking like the best person right now, I'll be very interested to see how this movie turns out. Um, when, when, when and if it actually all comes together. By the way, it was Alan Taylor. Okay, that guy. <laughs> Who directed that guy. Terminator Genesis. Fuck that guy. Okay, never mind. Uh, I actually quite enjoyed the second Thor. I have to admit that. Um, um I like I like wow. parts of the second Thor. Parts of the second Thor really embrace like we're just gonna have Chris Hemsworth be hot, and you know what? That's fine with me. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Um, speaking of Star Wars, have you guys missed uh, having a white brunette lady helming your franchise as well? You are in luck. Because they just got us another one. Carrie Russell is going to join Star Wars Episode Nine, which is going to start filming in the next couple of weeks. This is the one directed by J.J. Abrams. And, of course, people were very upset, once again, that you have another uh, white woman who's brunette. Of course, this brought up questions of saying, oh, this is Ray's mom. We're going to find something out. Um, you know, it's so just here's it's kind what of... I... Oh, sorry. Oh, well, I was going to say, it's just kind of laughable. I think I was joking with somebody on Twitter about how even Laura Dern had to dye her hair because a blonde is too diverse for, for Star Wars at this point. <laughs> but she didn't dye it brown, at least. Um... No, but, that, I mean, it's still dark. <laughs> so here's, here's kind of what I'm hoping J.J. Abrams is doing because she also had a role in Mission Impossible 3 and it was a very small role and that's the Mission Impossible that he directed. Oh, that's right. That's yeah. right. And so what I'm hoping is that she is going to play Ray's mom in a very short scene that basically says, fuck all you fanboys. Yes, she's nobody. 
I would love it if, well, much like The Last Jedi, which I just rewatched the other day, um, you know, the whole lightsaber with Luke, and he just throws it over his shoulder off the cliff. Like that, mm-hmm. like that. Like, I would love something, like, like similar to that, where it's just, you know, you think you know this canon, and that's, that's not what it is. Um, yeah. But they need to do something, you know? And, and somebody was saying, if you didn't keep casting white women with brown hair, we wouldn't have these questions about Ray's mom. You know, that's why you need the diversity, because as soon as we see this you know it's expected because you guys aren't willing to do anything new with your casting like seriously why i really want to know why there is so much obsession with who ray's parents are why is this like such because she has to be the chosen one lauren yeah they can't handle a story where there's not a chosen one it's just it's it's exhausting i mean like so many people are like is this is this ray's mom just like i don't care i so don't care even if she is ray's mom i do not give a shit. I am actually so sick of Star Wars now. I hate Star Wars at this point and I really wish that they would just stop making movies altogether. I'm so tired of hearing about it. It's just ugh. But that's the problem is the fans are ruining it and it sucks. Yeah, Well, they are. half of the fans are ruining it. So. Whiny little white boys are ruining this movie. Exactly. This and it's franchise. not fair. Mm-hmm. Ugh. <laughs> So let's talk some trailers. A bunch of trailers came out this week, so we'll try to run through them very, very quickly. Um, I have no good segue for any of them, so we're just going to start at the top um, with The Favorite. Uh, this is the new uh, Yorgos Lanthimos movie starring Olivia Coleman and Rachel Weiss and Emma Stone. Uh, it looks really weird. It looks like a Yorgos Lanthimos movie, and he is one of those directors that... I feel makes movies for me, but I don't like the movies he makes. Uh, I did not, I did not like Killing of a Sacred Deer, and I thought The Lobster was just okay. And Killing of a Sacred Deer should have really gotten me because it's a it's totally steeped in Greek tragedy, and I love Greek myths. And I was just like, what is this movie not connecting with, for with me? Um, and this movie seems like it should connect with me. It's set in 18th century England. Um, Olivia Coleman plays Queen Anne, um, and it is about her her uh, close lady friend, played by Rachel Weisz, who governs the country in her stead, and things take a turn when a new servant, played by Emma Stone, arrives, who becomes, quote-unquote, the favorite. Um, the trailer looks weird as hell, but it looks opulent. Um, Rachel Weisz and, and Olivia Coleman look great. It's written by um, Deborah Davis, who is a first-time writer, um, who came up with the original screenplay and co-wrote this. Um, the problem I think I'm having right now is Emma Stone. I've been telling everybody, you know, certain actors are very modern, and you will, you should not expect to ever see them in a period piece. Like Army Hammer, I love him, but he should never do a period piece because he's just way too modern. Emma Stone showed up in this movie, and she has this accent, this English accent, and I, it immediately took me out of the movie. Um, so I'm, I'm hoping this is something I like, because it seems to have all the checkpoints of, like, a Kristen's favorite movie, <laughs> but it's just not working for me. Oh, I'm excited for it. First of all, it's interesting because Yorgos Lanthimos usually writes his own films, and he did not write this one, so I'm very curious about what that's gonna do, and how that's gonna play out, story-wise. Um, I think this trailer looks ridiculously fun. And it's it's interesting because 
for me, I kind of didn't get the Yorgos Lanthimos vibe from it because it's very um, colorful, for one thing. Like, his movies tend to have a more washed-out look to them. And, um, I don't know. It just, it looks... I'm excited. I don't know. I can't really articulate it, I guess. <laughs> I think it looks great. Uh, I think I'm probably somewhere in the middle. I'm like, I, I think I'm like you, Kristen. I'm not, I've not been impressed by his other films particularly. Like, Killing of a Sacred Deer was quite an experience, but it's very, he, he makes very cold films. Yes. There's, yes. It's they're very technical, very like distant in some way and and it's so it's hard i think to connect to the characters and, and really you're not oh, probably not ultimately supposed to at the same time these are three actresses that i really like i like the fact that olivia coleman is i believe getting billing over the two other like comparatively bigger stars um and uh and it's also a period of british history that no one covers mm-hmm. like no one talks about queen anne uh, if you're going to make a movie about a queen, it's always about Queen Victoria or or one of the Elizabeths, and it's very rarely about any of the other queens. Do you know how uh, many people this week alone kept saying, oh, well, we have two trailers for two movies about the same story, and I'm like, what the hell are you Oh my god, who the hell about? said that? Oh, a bunch of people on Twitter. Yeah. I, I, I think that there are people that see, that see you know, uh, a queen, and are just like, oh, it's, it's one of the Elizabeths or maybe Victoria. That's about mm-hmm. it. Yeah. Um, and and so it's always exciting to see like a, a a seldom covered period period of British history being actually depicted on screen with some great actresses. So I I'll be willing to see it. It's actually his involvement as a director that gives me pause. Like if this was directed by just about anyone else, I would be there. Um, but because I find his films kind of off putting in many ways, I'm I'm not as excited as I potentially could be. Uh, this comes out November twenty third. So. We should yeah, probably segue uh, into the other one then. Um, I was hoping to save that for the end, but okay. The so like there was a fifty. There was another one. There was another Queen movie, not the same fucking Queen. Okay, so all Mary. The same. Oh my god. Okay, so I'm gonna get my nerd hat on. Give me a second. My nerd hat is on. So Mary Queen of Scots, um, is uh, the new movie. It's directed by Josie Rourke, written by Bo Willman. Um, and it tells the story of Mary Stewart, played by Saoirse Ronan, and her attempt to... The, the IMDb profile says overthrow, but the trailer doesn't really seem to know what they're doing. Um, her relationship with Queen, Queen Elizabeth I of England, played by Margot Robbie. Um, so this is a story that's been detailed in most Queen Elizabeth I movies, whether it's Cate uh, Blanchett's Elizabeth or um, the the Virgin Queen, if you've seen the PBS one with Tom Hardy. Um, I've seen every fucking single Elizabeth iteration for the most part. Uh, so I've seen, and I've read enough books that I know the story. So I watched the trailer for this, and I try, try very hard to not go into my Tudor snobbery, but I had a lot of problems with this trailer. Starting immediately when Saoirse Ronan opened her mouth and she's got that Scottish brogue. Mary spent most of her fucking life in France, okay? She did not have Scottish brogue. But she's the Queen of Scots. She's not Scottish. It wasn't fucking literal, 
Oh my god. Okay, so, so as soon as I heard that, that, I was like, I, I thought that, but I was like, well, maybe I have things wrong. I don't know. I, as soon as I heard that, I was like, mm, okay. <laughs> so then Margot Robbie shows up as Queen Elizabeth I, and she looks like Margot Robbie with some red hair. At some point, she looks like the Red Queen from Tim Burton's um, <laughs> Thank Alice you. in Wonderland. Okay, yes. <laughs> I thought that And too. I was just sitting there like, nope. Um, there's a whole part of the trailer that involves her, Queen Elizabeth, and Mary having this discussion. Fuck you, that never took place. They never actually met. Um, and the whole, I mean, I mean, there could be something really good here. There could be something really good. Because that narrative is so shaped by men. The rivalry, quote unquote, was created by men who reiterated that Elizabeth was was single, she was barren, well, she was barren because she chose not to have kids, um, you know, and that she needed this successor, and here's this hot young thing living in Scotland that has a claim to the throne, and she's got husband, she's got a baby, um, all of that, you know, was kind of put into their head, predominantly Elizabeth's head, by her male counselors. None of that is being shown in this trailer. It's just like, these two bitches are gonna scrap <laughs> over England. Um, and I'm just, I'm not here for that. Um, somebody, I think it was Donna Dickens, did a tweet that said, um, there's a really interesting Mary Queen of Scots story that could be done just about her husband's and the horrible decision she, quote, made with her yeah. lady dick. Um, and that's very, very true. Like, you see Mary Queen of Scots with her husband in this movie, and I'm like, dude, just give me the Darnley story. Like, that guy fucking died, okay? And they're, they're saying she blew his ass up. I would love that story. I think I'm gonna be very, very upset after I see this movie, and the problem is, is nobody's gonna give a shit because they're gonna be, like, nerd and then walk away. <laughs> yeah, well, what I'm seeing here is, like, when this trailer came up this week, men on Twitter just were, like, losing their minds over it because they're so excited. There were like, boners left and right over this oh, movie. Oh, yeah. And I was just like, um, okay, I'm trying to be optimistic because there is a woman directing it. Yes. But there's also a man writing it. So I'm like, I don't know what to think. I'm going to try to try my best to withhold judgment until I actually see the finished product, but... I'm Mr. Hoping. Taylor Swift is playing Robert Dudley in this movie. Why did I look at IMDb? Because now it's just really pissing me off. Mm -hmm. <sighs> okay. Yeah, not... I, I'm, I think I said that. I even, I got through a minute of the trailer and I was like, well, this is crap. Um, <laughs> like, I, I am not a fan of the Tudors. I'm not a big fan. I mean, I'm not a big fan of the Stuarts. I, I studied all of this shit from, actually, I was, a, I was a, did a Scottish history course for two years when I was going to school in Scotland. Um, so I, I approached all of this from a very different perspective, I think, than a lot of people do, uh, at least in America and in England. And yeah, there's a Mary Queen of, actually Mary Queen of Scots, as you're pointing out, Chris, Mary Queen of Scots and um, Elizabeth are both queens that are being shaped by their relationships to men and the mistakes that they make about men and the influence of men in their lives. And there's a really interesting, you know, parallel story to be told there that isn't about a cat fight between two queens, but about the way that men are manipulating these women and the way that men are using these women as stepping stones to their own power and, and the way that the women are trying to negotiate that at the same time. And that's the interesting story. What this looks like, you know, maybe that'll be what it is. I, I, I'm not holding my breath for it, but what this looks like is just um, another sort of Hollywood version of, 
of the Tudor Stewart saga, and I, I mean, I'm sick of the Tudors. Like, fuck the Tudors. What <laughs> I would like—they're the most boring family. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. What I would like to hope, although I really don't. It just—it would be awesome if this was the case. Is that this trailer was designed to get men interested in the movie, but then when it actually comes out, it's what you're saying, like that it's it's actually yeah. what really happened and a better look at what really happened instead of just this salacious, you know. And and it could be. There's so many interesting political issues and and gender and sexuality issues, like all of that wrapped up into this story. And and the way that you approach it is very important too, because spoiler alert. James does become king eventually. Elizabeth dies yeah. without children. Um, and and so in, in that sense, Mary, as it were, wins. The Stuarts win. But it's incredibly damaging for, ev- for pretty much everybody involved. And a lot of it is, is a result of men, in, men consistently trying to interfere in women's lives when they're not the ones in power. Right. All I know is this, if this movie, it's not going to end as well as, as Anne of the Thousand Days does, okay? But I can see them going for, like, a Mary Stewart, like, speechifying about how, like, her her boy is going to rule the land, goddammit. Um, <laughs> and, and here's my thing. Somebody, a friend of mine, Terrence Johnson, who we all love, um, had, had said that it looked like the other Boleyn girl. And I told him, don't yeah. you dare, don't you dare say that name in front of me. Um, I hate Philippa Gregory. Sorry to fans of you who love her work. I hate her um, because she writes bodice rippers that are just like historically not my my thing. Um, but the the other Boleyn girl was a movie I left the theater just so pissed by what I watched. And I love the I love the Tudors. I watch the Tudors every time. I know that's historically inaccurate. The difference is is that its heart's in the right place. The other Boleyn girl blows. Um, so I'm hoping this is not the other Boleyn girl. Um, it comes out December seventh. Oh, how the bombing of Pearl Harbor Day. That seems oddly appropriate um, for this movie. So moving on um, to another literary or at least historically based film, uh, Colette. Uh. This is um, uh, starring Kira Knightley <laughs> as the author of a scandalous novel, speaking of. Um, it's directed by Wash Westmoreland, who did um, Still Alice. He also did The Last of Robin Hood, so I wouldn't say Still Alice is proof that he's, like, a fantastic director. Um, but this one tells the story of how uh, Colette is uh, married to a Parisian writer, um, and his his exploits, he go- has his wife ghostwrite for him. So she writes this semi-autobiographical novel about uh, a woman that becomes this bestseller and a cultural con- sensation, um, but Colette wants to distinguish herself. So I saw the trailer for this and it was, I was like, it's big eyes for the, you know, 18th century or whatever Colette lived. Um, that's not to say it looks bad. It's just, I was like, oh, it's, it's, it's similar. Um, I'm interested in this one. Um, I think Colette is a really interesting subject that like, I'm surprised more movies have not been made and, and adaptations of her books would be really interesting. Um, so I mean, the, the trailer looks like a standard, you know, British period piece, but I'm into the subject matter. I um, hate Karen Knightley. <laughs> yeah, well, we won't hold that against it. <laughs> I, I, well, yeah, she's see, the star of the movie. Exactly, that's that's my problem. Like, as soon as she came on the stream, I'm like, nope, I'm done. Uh, yeah, I mean, it's an interesting story. It's Again, I think that one of the reasons why people don't talk about Colette a great deal is because her novels, unlike someone like Mary Shelley, whose novel has, you know, 
had legs, as it were, and or the Brontes. Um, I think that Colette just isn't read as much in the English language, and so we don't tend to to talk about her. Uh, and I mean, I've I've honestly never read any anything by her. Um, but it's it's an interesting story. But I don't care about Kira Knightley, and at least the way that it's being presented in the trailer, I'm like, no. Yeah, I don't love Keira Knightley either, but <laughs> when the trailer popped up this week, I was just like, oh, that's right. This is the reason Dominic West was at Sundance and how I ended up sitting next to him at a different movie. <laughs> <laughs> and I, you know, he's really good at playing not nice people, so I, I don't know. I'll watch it. I'm not sure uh, how I feel about it. it. I agree, it though. It is I'm not, not a Keira um... It does not have a release date, although, yeah, it has shown at festivals. Um, I think the only Colette novel I know of that's been adapted is Cherie, um, which is oh, a movie that yeah. they made, yeah. with Bleecker Street did give it a U.S. release date of September 21st. Okay, thank you. IMDb didn't have that listed. Yeah, so Cherie is the one that I know of that, that's been an adaptation of Colette's work. Um, it, and it had Michelle Pfeiffer and Robert Pattinson. I remember it being okay. I, I don't have many memories of it, but I thought it was fine. Um, so yeah, moving on to another female-focused film. Um, we had the Miseducation of Cameron Post trailer come out. This is the new movie um, directed by Desiree Akhavan, um, starring Chloe Grace Moretz and Sasha Lane and Jennifer Eel. Um, it's set in 1993 about a teenage girl forced into a gay conversion therapy center. Um, I watched the trailer for this and I was like, oh, it's a less exaggerated comedic version of But I'm a Cheerleader. Um, which, but I'm a Cheerleader is a really, really great movie. You should watch it um, if you haven't seen it. And I liked the trailer for this. I was really into it. Um, I, I'm not big on Chloe Grace Moretz, but I really like Sasha Wayne. I think Jennifer Eel looks like she's going to be a great uh, villain that might have some humanity in there. Um, I'm, I'm really into the trailer for this. So another Sundance film, it actually won the Grand Jury Prize, audience prize, wait, no, the Grand Jury Prize, I think it's Sundance. Um, I am so mad because I had a ticket and I had to go take my stupid car to the, to the mechanic to get the brakes fixed and I had to Stupid Karen's car. I'm so mad because this movie looks really good and I'm, I've been looking forward to it for months and months, so... Uh, this movie is really good. I, I saw it at Tribeca, and um, it 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 is a it, yeah. It it does definitely have a relationship to um, films like But I'm a Cheerleader, but it's very different. The performances are great. Yes, Jennifer Eel is a great villain, um, and yeah, definitely like when this one comes out, definitely go see it. It's it's a fascinating film, and it's actually a very nuanced and, and understanding and loving look at the you know something that is truly horrific but that actually seeks to understand everybody involved including the people who are doing conversion therapy um it's it's a great film that comes out august 3rd um so i did want to throw in we talked tv last time i wanted to throw in a tv trailer that i was interested in um we finally got a trailer for castle rock Yay. <laughs> um this is the um I'm, I'm calling it the Stephen King Shared Universe um, TV show um, that's being produced by J.J. Abrams for Hulu. And it's got 
some great casting. Melanie Linsky's in it. Scott Glenn, Andre Holland, um, Bill Skarsgård, Sissy Spacek, um, Chosen Jacobs, who was um, in It, the TV uh, or the the film version that came out this year. Young Mike. Um, yeah, and, and I don't know what the plot is, essentially. Um, it's just based on the stories of Stephen King. Um, uh, Andre Holland's character comes to town. Strange stuff is happening involving Bill Skarsgård as a prisoner that just popped up in Shawshank Prison. Um, I, I do wish it was a bit more... I got, I've been told that it's not directly a shared universe of all of King's characters like Sissy Spacek shows up and I was like oh it'd be great if they were like oh hey there Carrie and it's not <laughs> somebody told me that it's not so right I would love more callbacks like direct like saying that we're we're aware of it but I'm I'm very intrigued I'm very interested in in this um and I'm not normally interested in tv shows but this seems like it's either going to be really compelling or like certain J.J. Abrams thinks it's going to shit the bed at the end. I don't really know. Um, but yeah, I'm intrigued. Yeah, I'm def I'm definitely intrigued. Although I was a bit disappointed that on Twitter everyone was talking about like Bill Skarsgård and and the the kid who plays um, Mike and everything. And I was just like, Sissy Spacek, guys, Carrie is like right there. Are you seriously not going to mention the fact that Sissy Spacek is in this? Um, no. Yeah. <laughs> I know it drives me nuts I was, I was just like are you I mean is, does your memory really stretch back to like three years ago is that all that we're doing okay it came um, out before 1983 so they don't think it exists <laughs> so they didn't remember it's just like yes she's Carrie and she, and she got older you, you see because she aged as actresses tend to do actors uh, don't though no, not at all. But yeah, it looks interesting. I and Hulu has a good track record with Stephen King. They did um, was eleven twenty two sixty sixty three sixty three, which is very good, sort of mini limited mini series uh, based on King's novel. So I'm I'm down for it. Well, that comes out on Friday um, on Hulu, so you can watch it uh, then. So we're intrigued. Um, and then I'll throw it out really briefly, because um, we already talked about the teaser, but they actually put out a full trailer for it. Um, and we love Paul Feig. So we're going to talk about it really briefly. Um, a Simple Favor has a full trailer out. Um, and I I think I'm obsessed with this movie now. Um, I watched the trailer for it. I showed it to my mom, well, well, and I was who like, "Who are you obsessed with in this?" Trailer? I'm obsessed with Blake Lively. Okay, <laughs> that's my problem. Okay, I let's let's just be honest. I I think her and I could be friends because I've like been I somehow see all of her movies, and I don't necessarily intend to, but I usually like them. Um, I usually like her in them, which is very weird. Like. Like, she did a movie with Chloe Grace Moretz that I really, really liked her in specifically. I did, I, the movie is weird, but um, she was really good in it. But I watched the trailer for this, and it's like, Gone Girl meets Paul Feig. So I'm hoping it's like Gone Girl meets Bridesmaids in a certain way. Um, I'm into it. And yes, I'm fairly confident that Henry Gold is going to be in my five by the end of this year. Because I watched the trailer, and I was like, I'm having feelings I've been really telling sure. people to watch out for him because, oh my gosh, that man is gorgeous. <laughs> and I mean, I watched the Crazy Rich a Asians trailer and I was like, yeah, he's hot, but I felt nothing. And then I watched this and I'm like, what is happening here? Um, 
there is gonna be like a Bernthal-esque reckoning that's gonna happen to me. I'm gonna be sitting just innocently going about my life and then all of a sudden my brain's gonna like slam into the side of my head and I'm gonna well, be lucky for you, you're different. doing a full Bernthal of Henry Golding's movies this year because <laughs> he's only got two and they're both coming out <laughs> this year. <laughs> so. so yeah, god damn you, Paul Feig. I mean, really. God. No, thank you, Paul. I think it's Feig, actually. I've watched I'm a bunch calling of him Feig. I'm going but... with a long eye. Well, I'm going with Feig because that's what I keep hearing in interviews. But anyway. Well, when we ever but... interview him, we will yes. ask him this and yes. we'll prove it. So, <laughs> but anyway, I, I'm hoping that what results in this movie is that Henry Golding fulfills my wish of becoming the new Batman because it's time to not have a white dude play Batman and Henry Golding would be ideal he would be so perfect and i just imagine it and i love it so much so first hemsworth now this dude what the fuck is happening to the world okay what is happening to me <laughs> and notice that there's an oscar isaac trailer out this week and i didn't put it on the agenda that is exactly how much i care right now okay <sighs> that comes out a simple favor comes out september 14th my month is just filled with dudes i'm okay with this um so yeah so let's get into reviews. Um, we all saw a movie that came out this week. We all saw oh. the same movie. We all, saw, we a all movie. saw the same movie. And if Kim was here, she'd have seen it too, because she'd seen it already. Um, it's sorry to bother you. We all saw it. Um, so we're gonna go no spoilers because we okay. we recommend you all go see this movie. Um, and then maybe we'll come back and maybe we'll do a, a separate bonus episode. Um, where we review it proper with spoilers. I don't but know. I have questions. <laughs> I, well, you know what, Karen? Maybe maybe this is a bonus ep a bonus review at some point. Yeah. yeah. Um. So so either way, we're going to go spoiler free for now. Uh. But this is the new film by Boots Riley. Um. It stars Lakeith Stanfield as a guy who becomes a telemarketer and goes up the corporate ladder by using his uh, white man voice. And hilarity and horror ensues. Um, I left this movie thinking, I pretty sh did I just see the best thing ever? I don't know how I feel. Um, this is a movie where if this is Boots Riley's version of the world, we should be terrified of things coming to pass. Um, it's it's so surrealistic. Um, it's like I, I said, it's like if Anthony Burgess. Um, had drinks with George Orwell, and this is what they came up with. Um, and I think I loved it. I, I, I thought Lakeith Stanfield was really great. I loved Tessa Thompson. And fucking Army Hammer needs to just play every villain from now on because I thought he was brilliant. And I think he has my favorite line of the movie, and I can't say what it is because it's a spoiler. <laughs> um... So yeah, I, I love this movie. Um, uh, Karen, what did you think? Because I think you were the one who, we, we had not heard about your thoughts in the Slack. <laughs> um, because when I walked out of the theater, I was like, I don't know how to articulate how I'm feeling right now. This is a film that is one of the most unique films I have seen in years. I mean, there's nothing like this really. And even trying to describe it to someone without revealing the plot was very difficult. Um, it's interesting to watch a movie that's sort of dystopian, but it's not in the future. It takes place like kind of in an alternate now. And um, it, uh, 
I I mean I loved it. It was it was it was fantastic. It's just it, for me it defies description. So, but I thought all of the performances were fantastic. I thought the writing was great. Um, having spent two years as a telemarketer, there were little things that I thought. I wonder if other people find this as funny as I do if they haven't done this job before. Um, just little things like that, and so it just it was a a fully like just this really fleshed out um awesome experience it's very immersive i felt and there wasn't ever anything at any point that made me feel like sometimes when you're watching a movie you just kind of some little thing will happen it pulls you out of the story there wasn't anything like that for me i fully enjoyed it every moment of it and i really want people to go see it because it's it really is so different from everything else that's out there. And, you know, to watch that on Thursday and then go watch this cookie cutter action movie on Friday, it was very jarring because I was just like, no, 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 I want more of that stuff. You know, I want more of things, you know, that are different. I don't want more of Sorry to Bother You. I want more of things that try to be unique like Sorry to Bother You does. So. Yeah, I, I I mean, I, I think I'm, I'm right there with you guys. I really liked it. I've actually, the more that I've thought about it, um, the more that I've liked it. Uh, there was, there is definitely just a moment where, and I, I will give credit to my roommate for saying this to me even before I went to see it. Um, he was like, this is one film where I, there came a point where I legitimately had no idea what was going to happen. You know, a lot of films you're, you're like, okay, you can kind of follow your, you can, you might not be able to predict the ending, but you can definitely figure like, okay, here's what's going to happen next. This is one where there, you reach a point in the movie and you're suddenly like, I don't know what's going to happen. I have no clue how this will end. I have no clue what will happen next. And there's something very, like you're saying, Karen, very invigorating and exciting and different about that. It's like, wow, uh, this is actually completely unpredictable. And what's more, it works. Mm-hmm. Um, it doesn't feel like it's a left turn, but it doesn't feel like it, it just yanks you out of the movie. Um, the performances are great. The humor is great. There's there was one scene that like I think will always stick with me where you've got two two characters that are fighting, but it's their tone of voice and not what they're actually saying oh, to yes. each other. It's a polite. It's a polite <laughs> fight. It is, and it's it's like this compliment fight. It's and all, but it's all about the undertone. Exactly, the and it's That's so great about it. Yeah, it's funny and it's threatening at the same time. But and it goes, and the thing was that it's, it, it was one of those things, it's very good comedy actually, because they don't play it out for too long, but they play it out for just long enough that you're like, uh, I don't, I'm, I'm getting uncomfortable, but I'm also laughing, but I'm also frightened. Um, and it's just, it, and the, the entire film is, is full of moments like that, where you're hovering somewhere between laughing and being horrified and uh, just being uncomfortable. And there, there are quite a few moments and, one of the moments is, is uh, with the Army Hammer character where the Lakeith Stanfield character is asked to do something and it's just this moment of like, you feel like the entire theater goes silent. Um, it's a good film. Oh yeah. <laughs> it's a good film. It's just, I don't want to give, I don't really want to give any spoilers, but I it's am... a... Sorry. Hmm? No, go ahead, sorry. It's, it's just a very well-made film and, uh, and fascinating for this, this is his debut feature. So I will be interested to see where Boots Riley's work goes from here. Uh, I think that if there are objections to be made about it, it's it's sort of, um, you know, you, we can talk about 
whether or not the third act completely works. I think that it does, given everything that has come before. It is, it's not, it's almost not satirical. It's actually very serious about uh, contemporary culture, but in a funny and disturbing and very thought-provoking way. It's an incredibly provocative film. And I, I hope that everyone sees it. And please do not go onto Twitter and start giving spoilers. I've seen numerous people who are like writing things and I'm like, guys, just, it's out in like seven cities. Please shut up. Mm-hmm. Army yeah. Hammer and Mr. Wrong. That's all I got. Like, um, that's all yeah, I can say. Yeah, you undersold that, Kristen Lopez, because... I undersold it? Yes. No, sorry, oversold <laughs> it. Oversold it. I you was going to say. It because I'm like all you know braced for it you know i mean i've made it clear i'm not a big army hammer fans but i was just like okay i'll i'll check this out whatever and then i was just like that's it i thought there was gonna be more sarong i i'm sorry apparently boots riley knew what we all wanted and he really made us work for that um, i definitely but... will say that the beard worked though beard worked. The, He's the, the beard most... all of all of it worked he's the most grossly attractive asshole like Yep. <laughs> and I want him to keep on playing those roles because he's really good at them. Like, just like, you're so attractive. I hate you. Yep. I, I told my friend at a certain point. Face. I leaned over to my friend at a certain point and I was like, do you really think that this isn't how Army Hammer's house is on just a Tuesday? Because <laughs> I'm fairly certain that it is. And I like, oh, yeah. he's going yeah. around like doing interviews in shorts and a suit jacket for some reason. Like, he's hell just, yeah, he says it's hot in New York. Well, okay? it is hot in New York, so <laughs> well, so like, I totally understand it. But I love that the just the weirdness and the not giving a fuck that he gives mm-hmm. off is marvelous. Yeah. There is literally Army Hammer at the beginning of this movie in uh, a big puffy scarf looking like Johnny Depp in Ca- as Captain Jack like meets Jeremy Irons on a Tuesday and I literally looked at my friend I was like Boots Riley fucking knows me <laughs> he knows when my I saw aesthetic. that outfit that he was wearing with like the short the short pants with the rolled up cuffs and everything all I could think was the line in um, Crazy Stupid Love when Ryan Gosling's like I have calf pants <laughs> and I was like he's wearing calf pants <laughs> and it's all it's all good so yeah we'll we'll come back with the full group and we'll do uh maybe we'll do a little mini bonus episode uh at some point and actually get into um spoilers yes because so i think it warrants why, it and we can talk about why i must be super messed up because i was the only person i think that wasn't watching this going this is so fucked up i was like hmm, yeah i could see this <laughs> I can, see, I can see. I can see Army Hammer. I think Army Hammer is essentially auditioning for a movie. I won't spoil it because it's a spoiler. But there is a movie at, where I was like, so he's just auditioning for them to remake this, and I'm fucking here for it. Okay. Uh, and there. he and and when I ever do my list, uh, Kristen's list of all of her men who have used a derogatory word in a sentence, uh, Army Hammer officially entered the list. Uh, yes, he did. <laughs> Yeah, my friend looked at me and she's like, well, there you go. I'm like, god damn it. Okay, well, in this instance, though, I was, I was kind of cool with it. I, don't there, judge me. There was, a, <laughs> there was a moment in the, in the audience that I was in that, like, there were, there were these two, like, young women about my age sitting across from me. And they kept on laughing, like, doing this forced laughter and repeating lines throughout the entire film. And it was getting really annoying. And then... A turn, a turn occurs in the film, and they went dead silent for the rest <laughs> of the movie. And I was like, "Yeah, that shut you up, didn't it?" 
<laughs> I have to say, too, I was very excited. Speaking of theaters and the audiences and stuff, I was very encouraged and excited. I saw it in a theater that's like 50 miles east of L.A., and it was Thursday night, 7 o'clock show on a Thursday night, and that theater was packed. Awesome. And I was so excited by that. Yeah, I it's it's great. You should go see it. We'll come back and do um, spoilers at some point. Um, so uh, Lauren is covering Fantasia Fest for us. How is that going? Fantasia Fest is going great. Most of the films that I've seen so far, I am not allowed to talk about because there are embargoes on them, and I don't think they will be lifted by the time the episode comes out, except for one, which is the my review, which is going up today um, on the website, Boiled Angels, The Trial of Mike Diana. It is a very interesting documentary about the only American artist who has ever been convicted on charges of obscenity. And it's, it's a story that I'd never heard before, but it's really, really interesting. It's an interesting look at censorship and First Amendment rights. Uh, and this is something that happened in the early 90s, so it's, it's actually fairly in, in recent history. Um, it's, it's a fascinating film. Definitely, like, check it out. I think that it's, I think that's actually a Netflix documentary that it's going to Netflix. So it should be coming out, like, for wide consumption eventually. Uh, but, yeah, and it's also narrated by the frontman of the Dead Kennedys, which is awesome. Hmm, <laughs> cool. Awesome. Well, you can read Lauren's reviews uh, over on our website, which is citizendamepod.com. While you're over there, you can also check out our weekly Citizen Dame 5. We actually, at the time of recording, have not come up with the 5 for this week. <laughs> oh, yeah. Um, oh, we should do so, that. <laughs> yeah, we should do that at some point. Uh, but you can check out our previous 5, which is our Citizen Dame 5 Moments of Female Gaze, um, which was... Uh, it's essentially a thirst trap, and it worked. Uh, it was a lot of fun to write. Um, I also have my first in my entry of the Brolin' with the Homies uh, Patreon-funded segment that I'm doing, reviewing the last six, possibly seven, uh, Josh Brolin movies that I haven't seen. Uh, I started looking by looking at the 2000 version of Picnic. Now, if you're saying, Kristen, when did they remake the 1956 Bill Holden version of Picnic? They did in 2000 for CBS. And it's about as good as you think it sounds. Um, speaking of female gaze, that's like literally all it is. Um, so it was, I mean, 90 minutes, I'll never get back, but it worked. Um, you could also check out Feminist Friday, every Friday, uh, this last episode or segment. Um, Kim reviewed 1944's Laura, which is a great movie. Um, so head on over there. Uh, you can also check out our Citizen Dame Twitter which is at Citizen Dame Pod. We are also available to listen to directly at citizendame.podbean.com as well as Spotify. So if you are listening on Spotify, um, yay, because it was awesome that we're on there. Um, you can also check out our uh, individual Twitters, which I'm at journeys underscore film. Care, uh, Kim is at kpierce624. Lauren, where are you on Twitter? I am at lhbusiness. And Karen? Karen M. Peterson. And if you want to support the podcast more, uh, head on over to patreon.com slash citizen dame for just a, starting at just a dollar. You can get uh, access to our exclusive content, including our uh, March Madness boyfriend draft, our uh, whole episode that we did on Solo and the Star Wars franchise, as well as uh, Karen and I's audio commentary on Sicario. Um, we have some more stuff that we're... 
it is pretty awesome. We have a, a whole, we have another bonus uh, bit of content coming for July uh, that we should probably also get to at some point. So head on over there um, and hopefully uh, you'll be intrigued enough that you'll want to help uh, donate. So if we get to our next uh, thing, we're $4 away from doing an episode on the man from uncle which is just aged even better now so you might want to hear that so definitely give it a uh, a look so uh from the citizen dames that's it for this week and we will be back next week bye Man, i'm just out here surviving and what i'm doing right now won't even matter oh, baby baby it will always matter You said you fix that. Get a room. I got a room, mother. Hey, Cash. How much longer I got to wait for my money? God made this land for all of us. Greedy people like you want to hog it to yourself and your family. And Me and my family? Yeah. Cash is I'm your fucking uncle. I just really need a job. 40 on two. the script. Hey, hello. Uh, Mr. Davison, cash is green here. Sorry to bust. Let me give you a tip. You want to make some money here? Use your white voice. My white voice? I'm never talking about Will Smith's wife. Like this young blood. Hey, Mr. Kramer. This is Langston from Regal View. As always, we'll be getting that out to you right away. You're doing so good with the voice thing. Holla, 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 holla. Upstairs, power caller. They even have their own elevator. Welcome, power caller. I hope you did not masturbate today. We need you sharp and ready to go. I got promoted. I'm a power caller. What do they sell? They're not selling, but we sell it. No, well, there's no amount of money that make me do that. Here's the starting salary. Well, man, I'm gonna have to get me some new suits. Yeah, whatever I wear, no, I'm here to be clear. It is morally emaciated. I can't ride with you. I'm doing something I'm really good at. Cash, I'm gonna make you a proposal. I can see that you want to say no, but I wouldn't do that before you see what I'm offering. Cash, you 